you're listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. For more information and to support the show, head to wespeakcommon.com. This week, we're talking about alchemy in Dungeons and Dragons. Why is it not already in 5e and how can you make it work at your table? Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. This is the show brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon, your one-stop shop for all things you need to enjoy an incredible session of Dungeons and Dragons. Whether you need a lovely set of dice made of resin, glass or a beautiful hard cast metal, they've got you covered or maybe... Maybe you just need the books. Like if your PHB is falling apart, maybe you want to grab a, na- a brand new copy of Tasha's Cauldron of everything, whatever it is, they've got it. You can check out their entire wares using a link in the description below, and you can get 10% off your entire order when you use the code WESPEAKCOMMON at checkout. They're a UK-based company, and they ship worldwide. Supporting them supports us. We're also brought to you in partnership with Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. Describe is the one-stop shop on the internet for, well, describing things, believe it or not. If you're not very good at writing box text to use in home games or in that little bit of expansion you've added to the module you're running, they've got professional creative writers doing the hard work for you. There's about 500 scenes available for free for you to use right now. You can follow a link in the description below to check them out. Or you can subscribe to get access to over seven and a half thousand. And we're not just talking monsters, magic items, locations, and uh, all that good stuff. We're talking scenes that you can use as a player at the table, sea shanties and folk songs that you can sing at the table if you so want to, as a bard or maybe as a DM. And of course, they've got tons of stuff going on like maps and giveaways all the time. You can get 10% off your monthly subscription for the first two years that you're you're subscribed using the code COMMON at checkout. And of course, as always, we will at some point talk about the wonderful partners during the episode. But right now, I would like to talk to my good friend, the one, the only, the ignanimous Heavy Arms. Hello. Ignanimous. I like it. Hi, Ben. Thank you. Glad to be back. How's it going? Nice it's, been, back on. Oh, it's been a little while. What's, what's, what's happening? Uh, what's going on? Uh, um, we that's are sad. wrapping up. Yeah, that's we're, like we're, we're, we're wrapping up happening? a campaign. <laughs> I put out, I put out, uh, I put out two products in the last month, and and I'm just like a mess. I need, I need a vacation. It's holiday time. It is. Okay. Well, hopefully uh, this will be not too work related <laughs> and a little bit relaxing and you can get harder. Oh, no, not at all. Soon. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Uh, talking about D&D is uh, it's never, it's never work. See, I feel Running that Running D&D way. is never work. Prepping D&D is work. Yes, that's like, a perfect breakdown. Oh my God. I, I always say that because people always say to me like, oh, you're, you're recording another podcast tonight. You're getting in from work and then you're doing more work. And I'm like, well, it's not, it's not really work because I just get to talk about the thing I love. Yeah. Yeah. This is like you've been that weird guy at the bus stop. It just, you know, <laughs> talks to the person next to them, except the person next to you is actually interested. It's fantastic. 
could talk That's about it all day. A fantastic way to sum up a podcast talking to the weird guy next to the bus stop but you're both actually interested which has happened to me yeah. in real life not about D. &D really? yeah oh yeah you, you meet some some fantastic people in the city uh that is oh to be fair in the countryside too there's probably probably the the best conversations i've had with random strangers or random people in in the countryside because uh, you never know if they're going to try and kill you or be really friendly so there's that I, I, I suppose, yeah, that's uh, one way to keep things exciting. <laughs> so, the fear of the, death. The fear of death does keep things exciting, yeah. Um, for people who maybe have joined the podcast recently or haven't got to the episode you were on previously, give us give us a brief little rundown: who you are, what you do, where they can find you, uh, and and why they should why they should care. That's that's a good one. Uh, I'm not sure I can answer that last one, to be honest, but <laughs> let's go from the start. We'll try. Um, I'm Heavy Arms. I'm a dungeon master. I've been playing slash DMing for about coming up to five years. Uh, I've flipped a couple of years ago into publishing content because I've pretty much been homebrewing from the jump. Uh, I am your resident homebrew evangelist. And I'm probably best known for the Armourer's Handbook on the DMs Guild, but I've also released a bunch of other um, player options, classes, all that kind of stuff. And um, maybe something we'll talk about later on in this episode. Mm, yes. And I, I, so James, who you know, uh, who hangs out on the we speak on a server he's one of the mods he's also on the podcast mm -hmm. occasionally i know he has been or he was lurking in your server for a while and uh pulled me in because i didn't i didn't have a link to it. he's like oh yeah come in and we both popped in and you realized who we were and then yeah. uh, ever since then i mean he always told me anyway but ever since then religiously as soon as you release something he's like hey ben have you seen this <laughs> <laughs> and i i love him for it so he hit me up uh straight away uh, when what we're, what we're gonna talk about a little bit um released mm. I, I knew it was coming but he beat me to to the reminder message <laughs> which was very very good um, well, that's an and, idea like it, it makes it all worth it you know you can you, you can kind of have a goal of you know making a load of money making a living off off kind of making content and stuff but that's not what it's about really it's just about you know just hearing someone say that they appreciate the work you're doing that's mm. that's all that matters 100 percent. that's that's how i look at uh at this at, at the network as well that's exactly how i feel about it mm -hmm. um i mean i've said it before on the show i think back you know we're talking three we've been going for four years now we're talking like three years ago i said it um but would it have been three years ago it must have been because i remember joe being on an episode because we used i used it in a game with joe but your armorous handbook very quickly became one of the few because i'm very picky um third party supplements that when someone joins the table i go oh this is an extra rule book that we use so yeah, yeah, you're held in high esteem here. Yeah, you are. You are among the people. A veritable C-rate celebrity. <laughs> C-rate. I like that you think I have enough power to make you a C-lister celebrity. That's 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 a compliment. Hey, I'm 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 on the podcast. 
you know, it doesn't matter if you only have three listeners. Like that, that's C rate for me. It's a small industry. <laughs> it is a small industry. To be fair, everyone knows everyone. Uh, okay, so let's talk about let's talk about what we're going to talk about because this is a topic that I have had on my to do list for oh eons, and I've never really. I've never really had the guts to do it because I feel like it's a big one. But then you released something, which we'll get into later, that's uh, all about it. And immediately I was like, okay, this is, this is the opportunity to, to delve into this subject. So today we're talking about alchemy. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I've had years of, actually James specifically, sending me different options for how to add alchemy into D&D so that it has like a robust mm. rule system and mm-hmm. I never liked any of them and I couldn't ever quite put my finger on what it was about any of them that made like just turn me off to the idea yeah well I am I am I'm the guy for this episode and you get to play the role of my agony aunt Oh, amazing. Okay, good. <laughs> I like that. So let's let's um, let's start off talking about what alchemy is and what we mean when we say, "Oh, let's add alchemy to D and D," and then sure. maybe some of the the pitfalls that what it could look like, what I've seen it look like before, and then we'll talk about what you've done and how it how else it can look and how to run it and use it. Sure. I, um, I mean, as as always, we will probably fall off that order. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to absolutely. stick to it. But mm-hmm. yeah, so so what what is alchemy? Heavy arms, tell me. I guess your opinion of something like this is going to be based on like your prior experience. You know, everything is. You know, your perception of a wizard is based on you know what media you've seen before, which which version of ranger you think is the one true ranger is going to be based on, you know, whether you read the Drist books, you read the Lord of the Rings, you're, you're on team Aragorn or team Legolas. It's that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, alchemy is, or alchemy, I'll, you can get more broad than that, you know, making potions, you know, crafting any sort of consumable really. For me, that was defined by the Elder Scrolls. Well, I should say Skyrim. I'd be uh, I'd be uh, outing myself as an old man if I said Morrowind, but that was the real one for me. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. your 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 base as well, because that's yeah. not like that's so different from my base. What alchemy is? Mm, yeah, my well, I'm a I'm a five E baby, um, mm. so I don't have any uh, kind of really old rooted like you know. TTRPG experience of what alchemy is. So, so when I started playing, what I came to the table with was Elder Scrolls and um, the uh, halcyon teenagers of playing um, MMOs and that those kind of disaster crafting systems. But yeah, didn't take much from that. But it, it, it's the same idea of you know, um, go out into the world you know, find materials from, you know, picking flowers in Skyrim is a classic or, you know, getting mm-hmm. drops off enemies and then, you know, mixing up, mixing them together in your mortar and pestle and you end up with this potion of speed or whatever. Mm. So that's where I come from. Um, I'm interested to hear where you come from. 
Okay, so the first, uh, the first proper like exposure to the term alchemy that I had was with the anime and manga Full Metal Alchemist, and mm. what alchemy is in that, um, and that's very different from what we think of as sort of typical fantasy alchemy. That's the uh, that's focused on transmutation of matter, which in D and D is is a wizard thing. That's not a it's not a potion yeah. thing. Um, but yes. they, you know, the 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 imagery of them drawing these big chalk sigils on the floor and putting something in them, and the, the putting materials in them, and then doing some sort of magic to turn them into something else. That's what alchemy was to me. And then I got into The Witcher and playing like The Witcher three, and mm-hmm. you know the fact that Geralt and all witches have this ability to chug these potions that would kill anyone else and they have to go out and find their own ingredients and make okay. them and you know that then I was, that then cemented what what alchemy was at, in a mm. fan, fantastical sense for me so um and we will mention I will mention the witcher later because there's because it's so key um there is an alchemy system in the witcher ttrpg that I'd like to touch on but yeah that's kind of where Ooh, right, okay my understanding of what alchemy came from so two very very different um different Mm. forms of it yeah i mean i've played all i've played all the witcher games um i didn't mention it specifically because to me the witcher also feels like it's um at least in the game it's uh it's drawing a lot from elder scrolls kind of system Mm. so that they are they are similar in terms of you know you go into the world you get you know uh, pieces of monsters and you, you know, you find flowers is running about and then you go into your menu and you make potions. Mm. Yeah. And I mean that, that system exists in so many video games now as well, that it's kind of yeah, just it does. in the same way that like, Oh, a crafting system now exists in every single game that's ever made. Um, yes. But the actual dictionary definition of alchemy, I did look this up. I, t- I did a little bit of research. Um, <laughs> is the the medieval forerunner of chemistry concerned with the transmutation mm-hmm. of matter, in particular with attempts to convert base metals into gold or find a universal elixir. Um, so mm, uh, occult, sciences, yeah, occult sciences such as alchemy and astrology is the quote. So it's the... Uh, okay, here's a, here's a slightly shorter, better one. A seemingly magical process of transformation, creation or combination. So it doesn't... So all of those things we've talked about, like going out and finding materials and then changing them into a potion or changing them into another yeah. item, they all technically are alchemy. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I jumped the gun really and went straight into the kind of the interactive part of alchemy. At least my experience with it. I mean, um, in terms of a general knowledge of you know the the, the quasi kind of philosophical, religious, scientific, all that kind of stuff. Um, this is going way back, but there's a there's a book series by a, a guy called Neil Stevenson, who I completely recommend. He's probably one of my favorite authors um, of all time. Um, he has a a trilogy, a book trilogy called the Baroque Cycle, which um, they're they're three massive books. They're they're not easy reading by any means, um, but it's basically um, it it's kind of um, historical fiction that uh, covers the 16th and 17th century, and it, it basically follows the lives and the lives and people in the Royal Society 
throughout you know the the, the days of you know Newton, Hook, Leibniz, all that stuff, and and Newton going over to going on to the Mint and um, Charles the First and and all this stuff. So that's a bit cool. of a tangent, but that that was probably my first uh, introduction to all that stuff because because that's all about you know classical alchemy is you know if you put a face to it, classical alchemy is basically Isaac Newton. Yeah, and and like I love that kind of. I love that it seems magical, but it's meant to be scientific in the same way that, you know, you look at, um, I think it was the ancient Greeks who believed that there was an element called phlogiston, which was like this flammable material. And you get that in second edition spell drama, like these kind of fake elements and uh, theories that they had. And it it always makes me think as well as as a tangent that... Um, you know, 150, 200 years from now, when we're all gone and maybe there's a new civilization of people, are they going to look back at like string theory and laugh? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. They, they thought they had it all figured out. <laughs> yes, you can yeah. turn lead into gold. Of course you can. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, it's so interesting. Um, but I think that's a really good jumping off point to talk about how alchemy can look in in D and obviously with a focus on 5e because my port of call with it is always to go quasi-scientific rather than fantastical magical how do you feel about that yeah um i kind of think it depends on the player um, okay i don't think i don't think you need to like at least for like i'm, I'm very um mechanical minded in this kind of stuff so when i'm thinking of like you know how how i want to run it or use it as a rule set um, i'm basically thinking of you know how 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 do the how do the cogs turn in terms of how you how you present it how you flavor it i I think you can do both ways Mm -hmm. um in general i think um i mean should we start with kind of what's what the official options are kind of ways that the, yeah. the existing ways to do alchemy yeah so this, this can be this can be the start of agony art corner right <laughs> okay i like this so okay yeah. do you want to do you want to go through them and 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 unload and i will agony aren't you sure so like we've got the alchemist tools or alchemist supplies that's in the player's handbook mm. and and the rule there is um I mean, there aren't any particular rules. It's uh, you have alchemist supplies, and maybe you can kind of ask your DM. That's all you get, really. Um, right. There are Great. there are there are basic rules for crafting, which is you know you can make fifty GPs worth of progress towards something. Mm-hmm. Um, in in twenty was it twenty five gold pieces a day? Um, yeah. Tell you what, the, the very first thing, and, and this is this is me going back to like my first time playing D anD D because my first character was a wizard, mm. um, and alchemy is really the first thing that I jumped on immediately because I, I I was you know I, I came um, I came quite recently off playing The Witcher Three, and it was like right I want to like you said I, I want to do this stuff, um, and I went looking at the player's handbook for it, and it was like. Alchemist supplies, okay, cool. Doesn't really do anything. And then I had a look at adventuring gear, kind of because it was in the same section. And there was a potion of healing there. 
and and the potion of healing can be made with a herbalism kit. I was like, what? So what can alchemist supplies do exactly? Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of Yeah. There's there's a lot of what can it do exactly? Um, and then. Xanathar's came along, and, and this was a new book at the time because said I, I was I started playing in in kind of December, twenty seventeen ish, and Xanathar's came along, and, and it had a, and, and it like ostensibly there are advanced crafting rules in Xanathar's. Now I've really never really grasped what that meant specifically beyond um, consumables take half the amount of time. Well, that seems to be the addition that was made in Xanathar's, and that's it. Mm. Um, it did give like specific um, things you can do with the toolkit, like suggestions. Um, it introduced the concept of if you have, if, if your DM asks for a check of kind of any variety, and a toolkit is also relevant, you can kind of you have both proficiencies, and you can roll with advantage. That was something else it bought. And it gave you some example um, checks that you could make. And for Alchemist Supplies, if I'm not mistaken, it was like you can identify a, a potion or perhaps it was a poison, maybe it was both, by kind of tasting it but not drinking it. Mm. Yeah. So, so it, it, it gave, it gave a few a suggestions. but Yeah, it gave a few suggestions, but it, it was still very much like, um, like my fantasy for it was, you know, go out and... and you know, gather ingredients, find recipes, um, you know, sort of engagement, you know, kind of um, be able to engage with it by myself, kind of while mm. we're doing other stuff. So while we're out adventuring, I can say, you know, well, what can I do during this short rest that's related to alchemy? Um, and the, the D&D rules seem to be, seem to just place a couple of restrictions on things, which I can understand. Um, the, the, the gold pieces thing is, is, is really there as kind of a safeguard for a, for a DM. So they're not going to say, you know, oh, can I make a, a potion of giant strength? And they're like, uh, yeah, okay. Mm. You know, well, let's, let's make up a DC 15 because I'm, I'm, I'm a new DM. And now you've got a potion that gives you 29 strength, say, for an hour. Yeah. So, I, I can see why it's there as just to like as a as a a, a really um, conservative kind of uh, rule, just so the DM doesn't go too far. But it doesn't really give you much. Um, it doesn't give you much to go on. Like it's kind of as as you've said, um, you know, James has sent you all these systems across. And I'm sure it was a similar thing that he was going for, as in like you know, just just tell me what I can do. Mm. Like that, that's how I felt. It was like just tell me what I can do because I. I like I went to the DM, asked the DM, said, you know, what can I do? And they said, well, you know, go check the rules, see what you can do. And the rules basically said, well, go to your DM. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's, there is a lot of that in 5e. And I think it's got to the point now where people are feeling a bit cheated by it. But um, yeah, so with this, I think my instant reaction is, Okay, well, if someone said to me, how do I do alchemy? And if I was that DM, I'd be like, oh, God, there's so much work now because I've got to now go yeah. and work out like what I've got to come up with a list of ingredients. And I know that they're going to ask about monster harvesting and I know they're going to ask about plants and I know they're going to ask mm -hmm. what they can make and how much it's going to cost and how long it's going to take and how hard should it be. And like that's instantly 
so mm-hmm. much work that as a DM, I go, do you know what? No, let's just not do it. Like, it's just, there's just a lot of work. Um, yeah. And there are, there are DMs who will turn around and they'll do all of that, all of that. But because it, yeah. it has never been a priority for, for us, I've never done it. Um, yeah, so my, well, my, I did it. I did it as a player. This was my, mm-hmm. you know, I'd been playing D and D for probably uh, all of six weeks. Yeah, um, and I was on Reddit. I was on Reddit, probably doing, you know, exactly the same stuff James is doing. Um, going through all these systems, all these options, looking at what was there, and I was just thinking, well, you know, it's okay, but mm-hmm. this isn't exactly how I. This isn't exactly. It's not quite right for me. As in, you know, it might be good enough. And we did pick one to run with. But kind of this was my um, spark, I suppose, for mm. making homebrew. Yeah, it didn't take very long to appear. But it like alchemy was, was it for me. And it was because I couldn't find something that, um, that felt like I was... It, it, I couldn't find a rule set that felt like D&D. Mm, and I, I can find, I can find, I can find rule sets. Yeah, I can find rule sets that were. This is how you can. Um, this is some ways you can do the stuff you want to do. But none of it felt like I was playing D anD. d It all felt like either stuff you do in between sessions, or it felt like stuff that took too long. Um. Yeah, so like, like I, kind of, I, I embarked items. on this. Yeah. So I embarked on this journey, basically, of um, not knowing how to play D&D or very little of how to play D&D after about six weeks into, right, let's homebrew a crafting system. That's the first thing I do. That's the first mm-hmm. thing I did, um, which, you know, I suppose is throwing yourself in at the deep end. But yeah, like, <laughs> like you said, yeah. um, it's, uh, it's really difficult to find something that, that hits all the right notes for you. And I was, I was very quickly um, found myself, you know, I, I'm talking I had, I, I printed off all this stuff, you know, all these homebrewery documents, all these Google documents and stuff. And, and my wife will remember I was like surrounded, you know, by like hundreds of scrap pages. Just what on earth is this idiot doing? Spending his evenings just like scribbling notes and say, you know, well, from this system, what's good here? What's it doing? What's it doesn't? What's it doesn't do? You know, looking at, um, 10 different Wikipedia pages open of like historical alchemy and, and mm. all this nonsense i love I made, that I made a, image yeah i made a new friend actually um while i was going through this uh who's who's a chemistry professor who is who's still in my discord and i still chat with frequently yeah. now but it, it, I, I met this guy because i was like um i was asking people for help with you know chemistry when I, was writing, when I was trying to write a bloody alchemy system. No, no, you don't understand that the, the ingredients for an invisibility potion in this made-up game have to be scientifically accurate. Yeah, yeah well, you know, I, I, tr- I don't think scientifically accurate matters too much. I just think it helps. Because if, if it gets, like, it, it's just a point of friction, maybe, mm. for some people. Um, like... Tell you what, we'll jump back into what the official options are for a second. That we, you know, another small axe to grind on the uh, mm-hmm. the artificer alchemist is. Um, I, I don't really remember all the mechanics. I just remember you know not being particularly happy with it. But I can, I can having just had a quick refresher of actually what's in there. I can tell you exactly what I didn't like about it. You know, mechanics and balance and power notwithstanding, mm-hmm. is that its its core feature is. Um, 
was it at the end of a long rest? I think it was. At the end of a long rest, you can magically produce a potion or yeah. a couple of potions. And it's like, that's not, that's doing the ranger thing. The thing people don't like about ranger, which is like when you're in the wilderness, you can short circuit, you know, you, you can fast forward the thing you were playing a ranger for. Like you're playing an alchemist and you've just said you can short circuit the whole process of alchemy and just like receive potion. Mm. Like that totally misses the point. Yeah, and and I mean, you, you you said balance of power, notwithstanding, but they're not very good potions either. But this is this is <laughs> the thing. I think five e is built to be streamlined and simple, and uh, but but in a good way. And so when you start to think of crafting systems and hunting for ingredients and things and tracking that and all that kind of stuff. I think the Watsy team go, Oh no, that's that people don't want that. There's too much of that, but people do want that. Um, and, and that's kind of it for official yes. rules. It's play, play yes. the alchemist <laughs> Some, class yeah. or, or, or have an alchemy kit that doesn't really do much at, at, because the rest is too much and your players won't want to do it. Mm. Well, I've had this recent revelation, not not too recent, but this kind of uh, at least opinion that I formed about like Watsy recently, and, and not Watsy's products, but Watsy as a company, is that their audience is probably like we are not there. We are not representative of their audience. Like, no, not in any way. You know, if yeah, if if you're online talking about D and D in any capacity, you're like you know the hardcore like ten percent, five percent. I don't know, but you know. What's he have got to cater to the remaining 90%? And, and we're kind of not like we are the audience, but also we're not really the audience they're trying to satisfy. So, like, I understand why they don't do like this kind of complicated stuff that, that only the, the hardcore few want. But, you know, it, it, it means this kind of stuff, you know, crafting stuff or monster harvesting or, um, I don't know. What are some other examples? But you, you know the kind of stuff I mean. Maybe even like detailed survival rules. You know, wilderness travel. Yeah. You could you could argue high level play, I suppose. Um, you know, all, all that stuff is kind of well. You know, you you and the ten percent you know go and sort it out for yourselves. And that's basically what third party products are. Like yeah, they are the ten percent producing for the ten percent. Yeah, and that's that's why DMs Guild has become a thing, right? And that's why people lean on it. I mean, talk about okay. So at time of release, Spelljam has come out, and there's a lot of understandably criticism around that that set of books and what's lacking. And to the point where I'm seeing creators making content that's like how to fix it and all this. But I'm seeing creators who usually are big big supporters of of books saying, okay, this isn't good enough. Um, but you're right, we're not the core audience. And I think that was the main discussion I had the other day about uh, you know, one D&D and, and where where the hobby's going and the way it will look at, at a standalone point. And again, I think that's why my my motto that, that I'm going to have inscribed on my forehead at this point is D&D is not what we buy, it's what we play at the table, right? Yeah. You've got to change it. You've got to make it what you want it to be. But yeah, I mean, so in t- in terms of how it looks right now in Five E, it's it's pretty bleak because there's not much there. Um, yeah, and I guess this, I mean, this is probably a good a good time to talk a little bit about The Witcher I touched on earlier, um, because yeah. 
because it focuses so heavily on, you know, alchemy and things in in the universe. Okay. Well, I haven't I haven't played this game, so I'm interested to know like how does it do it does it do a good job of capturing um, like the main thing in The Witcher, which is like the preparation aspect. I think it does. I mean, I've I've only cool. played a handful of sessions. I mean, compared to the amount of D and D I've played, I've played like maybe one percent. Mm you know, of my time in, in Witcher and 100% in D&D. So, um, but it does the exact opposite of what 5e does and it gets really crunchy and it gets really ill in the details. So the, the alchemy system, there's a crafting system, there's an alchemy system, there's, um, you know, rules for other things as well. But the alchemy and the crafting, and the alchemy specifically, is all about, okay, first of all, work out what, what you want to make then work out mm-hmm. what you need for it, go and get what you need and then make it. And it's a case of, okay, you're, you want to make X potion. Cool. You need this, 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 and this. Great. And those substances are broken down into, I think it's nine, 10, maybe 11 different categories and they all have names. So there's like a category for each type of substance. So you'll, let's say you want to make a potion of invisibility and it'll be like, you need three of this substance, two of this substance, and one of this substance. So then you go, okay, great. How do I get those substances? And you go to the, the book and you find the, God knows, 20 pages on alchemy. And there's a whole set of tables and charts <laughs> breaking down a load of different ingredients under the categories of their, their you know, those nine or 11 or whatever categories there are. And it will say, okay, you can find this ingredient in this place or this place or this place. And it's worth this much. It weighs this much. You get this many dice worth when you find it. Uh, It's a DC of this to get it. Uh, If you want to buy it, it costs this much. And it's like a full catalog, like really in-depth catalog. Mm. Um, You go, you, you, you maybe do a check. You have an alchemy check or you have a foraging check or whatever. You go and find the stuff. You can get monster bits, you can get plants. You have to track all of that on your inventory. And The Witcher is very big on tracking uh, inventory, weight, encumbrance, value. All that stuff has to be tracked. And then you can make the potion if you've got an alchemy set or if you're at a laboratory that has all the set of the tools uh, and you make the check um, and so on and so forth. So it's quite in-depth. Running it at the table has been interesting because as as a dm for dnd a lot of the stuff is on me as a gm in the witcher it's nice that a lot of the stuff is on the player so james mm-hmm. being our, our key example of course wanted to do alchemy so he was like ben we're in this icy mountain range i want to go and find um this specific ingredient so instead of him saying hey i need to find this type of ingredient he went and found the ingredient he wants on the list on, of thousands of ingredients that was one that was available in his biome uh, and like he checked its availability, its rarity, all that kind of stuff. And he said, I want to try and find this because it's got a good chance of me finding it. It's in this biome that we're in. I've got this kind of score, so I can probably probably find that and I'd get 1d6 worth of it. And I was like, okay, cool. Make your check. He made his check. He found some. Great. Now he can brew his potion. But it got to the point where he went, okay, cool. Well, now that I've got all that, I'm going to brew my potion. I was like, well, you can't do that because you haven't got an alchemy set. He's like, ah, oh, bollocks. Okay, well, I'll brew it when I get one. So it suddenly went from, Ben, I want to do alchemy. How do I do it? And me having to go and find everything and give it to him, to him being like, hey, I want to find this ingredient. And me going, oh, why do you, 
why do you want to find that? He went, oh, because it's in this biome that we're in and I can use it eventually to make this. I went, oh, okay, cool. Do your check. He did his check. He found some. Great. Simple. Um, but that's the thing, right? When I say it that way, it sounds like a and d 5e thing. But when you actually look at it, it's really complex and there's a lot to it. And that's not D&D 5e at all. Hmm. But it, it doesn't feel like a bad system from what I've experienced of it so far. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts? Oh, it's interesting. It's interesting. There are a lot of similarities there to actually how I run alchemy and or mm. potion crafting and gathering and all that stuff in 5e. Um, I think the most important thing you said there actually is that it's um, it's player actuated or uh, I suppose what you call proactive. Like instead of the player coming to you and saying, what can I do? The player says, I want to do this. And, and all you have to do as a DM is say, yep. It's, yeah. it's kind of like, kind of like class features in D&D. You know, player has a spell list, a list of prepared spells. They want to say, I cast a spell. They don't have to come to you and say, like, well, you know, what, what can I do in this situation? They've got a spell on their list, and they say, I want to cast it, and you're like, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think that's, that's probably um, the most important thing that, that I was searching for um, when I'm looking for alchemy rules is, like, um, a, a minimum amount, you know, for for now as a DM, but also as a player, is not feeling like you have to ask, um, not f- feeling like you don't know. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so kind of, you're not going to the DM and, and sort of ending, you know, with a with a high pitched question mark at the end of every sentence you're speaking because you're not exactly you're not exactly sure. Like you are sure what you want to do, but you just need to ask, you know. Can it be done rather than yeah. what can I do? Yeah. And I think that, that that philosophy fits so well into the way into the way that I like to homebrew. I think this is this is something that I've seen in your your armorist guidebook because uh, and then it's why it became a staple at my table. Because instead of it being something that ultimately changes the way you think about the game and changes the way things work, it just slots on top. And it's really simple to just go, oh, in, in, in the armorer's case, oh, you're in a city. Yeah, you can find someone to improve your armor. Um, what do you want to get done? And then they look at the, the, the options and they say, I want to get this done and this done. It's going to cost this much money. And I go, yeah, cool. Let's get yeah. it done. And then maybe we role play a conversation. Maybe we don't, depending on the type of session it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's kind of... Uh, it, it seems weird, but I, I kind of describe myself as someone who makes player options, and, mm. and people kind of think that's wrong because you know, like the Armor's Handbook, for example. People say, "Well, oh, but that's that's a DM tool," and and I don't think it is because um, no, like from, I, from, in my opinion, like a, a DM tool is something that helps you with prep. Um, a player option is something that you don't even have to think about. It's you give it to the players, and like, right, that's off my plate. I never have to prep that again. Like if they yeah. want to use it, they'll just tell me and I'll say, yep or no, that's it. It's amazing. I, so I haven't, I've read the Arborous Handbook less than my players have. Obviously I read it all the way through. I made sure it fit at the table and it worked. And I said, hey guys, yes. we're going to try this. And then we all tried it together. But now, for example, James is playing a runesmith in our TOA game. He, he, mm. you know, he, he's, I can't remember what his, what the subclass is. It's the is it what is it rune knight i think it is and he yeah. said to me ben i really want to play rune knight but like it's a bit lackluster and not quite hitting the fantasy can i do something with the runes that are in 
um, the Armour's Handbook. And I was like, mm. yeah, that sounds great. And so, you know, now it's come to the point where he'll be like, hey, Ben, I want to craft a rune. Um, can I do my check now? Have we got enough time? And I'll be like, yeah, sure. And he'll do his check and be like, cool, I, I, I pass. I'm like, great, you make the rune. And like, he's got it and he knows what it does. And it's so yeah, simple yeah, and easy. Yeah, yeah, that, that's like it. Maybe I, would it like, I feel like I should just go through a quick list of the things like that, that, mm. that I want from, from these kind of rule sets. Um, but also, um, not just stuff I want, but stuff that, um, stuff that I just think is how it should be done because yeah. it makes a game, it doesn't disrupt the flow of the game fundamentally. And, and it doesn't, and if, it doesn't require, um, a, a lot of extra work. So like, oh, I'll, I'll go on them. kind of, all right, let's, let's, I'll, 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 I'm going to have to kind of rattle these off the top of my head. So they might be a bit disjointed. So, um, <laughs> So the, the, I mean, the first thing that we just said is that there shouldn't be like if you've got a proper proactive rule set that covers all its bases, that that doesn't leave any kind of open-ended, kind of unanswered questions. Like you know, you've gone halfway down the road and then stopped. Um, assuming you go all the way down the road, then there's no work for the dungeon master. Like none. And people don't believe you when you say like, "Oh, I've got this crafting system." There's you know, there's no work for the DM, but but there isn't. Um, the work for the DM is to, I suppose, to give it a once over and, you know, give it the nod. Um, but if you, if, if, if you trust the person who wrote the supplement, they don't even need to do that. You'll just learn as you go. It's like, mm-hmm. um, if, if Watsy releases a new subclass, you know, you, you'll presumably, you know, skim it before you let a player play with it, but maybe not you don't have to you kind of you kind of trust wizards you know they they know what they're doing with subclasses so sure you want to play one of the new subclasses go for it so that's mm-hmm. first one um second one i'd say is and this is probably the most important thing actually even more than the other one is that it still feels like D. um mm-hmm. and that is to say that it uses familiar rules so a check to, to me, D and D is everything. Is you ask the DM if you can do something. The DM says if the DM says yes, then you roll a D twenty. You add some modifiers, and they tell you, you know, they narrate the success or failure. Like that's D and D in a sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel quite strongly that that if you are taking a, a, a proactive approach to crafting, like with runesmithing, then it should just be a case of. You know, find an hour during a short rest, ask to roll a check, roll that check. You make the rune or you don't. Or, you know, you make mm-hmm. the potion or you don't. Um, and I suppose if you can do that, um, it doesn't interrupt the rest of the game. And this is something I found with, with other supplements that, that we tried, is that there was so much emphasis on um, either discovery um which is like learning recipes you know like you've you've found these two ingredients but you don't know what they do so you know mash them together in combinations and see what happens like that is a thing in video games um i just i, I don't think it's useful in D, so i sort of threw that aside um like w- we tried that for a bit but ultimately we threw it away um and we we just assumed that like you know all the recipes because it wasn't adding anything it was just kind of it, it was just kind of frustrating for no yeah. real benefit to anyone. Um, and you had this one player 
um, slowing down the game because you know they're they're asked they've, they've got you know fifteen ingredients and and they don't know what they are so they they're going to have to go through this big kind of matrix of you know well I'm going to try this I'm going to try this I'm going to try this and it took like we did this once and it took like twenty minutes and it's like right we're never doing that again you know everything right <laughs> that was the end of that um, and. I suppose another one on that is um, doesn't doesn't affect game balance, which is you know, I mean that's not that's an obvious one. We'll just we'll just tick that and move on. Yeah. Um, I mean uh, this is yeah it, it's okay if it does affect game balance, but you know you have to be upfront about that, and also it, it just makes it much harder to sell. Mm. You know if you've got if if you had you know. Um, I mean, it's, it, they did this in Strongholds of Followers, didn't they? You know, uh, the very front was like, you know, this this will make your characters more powerful. Mm-hmm. And like, and uh, I remember listening to your episode to to you and was it Joe talk about this? Yeah, well, way been, back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you saying like, you know, like, well, kind of well, shit. <laughs> don't know if it, don't know how don't know how I feel about that because <laughs> yeah. now I've got to do a bunch of work to to, to prep for that. Um, so ideally, you want to avoid that. And um, I'll say the last thing, and, and this is another thing. Um, again, I, I can point to strongholds of followers for this. It feels like I'm picking on strongholds of followers. Um, I don't mean to. I, I just think <laughs> strongholds of followers more is more than welcome. Strongholds of followers is like you know most people listening to this episode are probably familiar with strongholds of followers, so that's why I'm using it as an example because mm-hmm. they'll know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't think. Uh, I don't think systems should require buy-in from everyone at the table. Yes. Strongholds and followers was like that because like strongholds and followers doesn't work unless everyone is doing it. Because if one person is doing it, the game sucks for everyone else. Why? Those, those scenes suck for everyone else because they're just not doing anything. And and maybe they are doing something, but they don't want to be doing it. They're kind of being dragged along by the guy who wants to do it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if if you're doing runesmithing, just as an example, um, no one else needs to care. It's just it's it's kind of like a it, it it's like a additional class feature, mm. and it, it's a, it's an additional class feature that you're paying for with gold, which is kind of what helps maintain the game balance because everyone has gold, um, and you know one party member can choose to spend their gold on crafting runes or making potions or crafting armor. Um, mm. And people who aren't interested in one or more of those things can find something else to spend their gold on. Yeah, and it and it then becomes a nice thing for that character becomes a character trait, right? It's yeah, for James, absolutely. who is you know is a runesmith basically. It is a bit of a crafter in in our TOA game. That's his thing. That's what he does. No one else does that. He and it, and it meant that I had the opportunity to to add the guild into the game and create a nice little backstory and have a nice little side quest for him, which is stuff I love to do. So, and it, and it didn't feel like, Oh, everybody's got to go and do this thing. It was, Hey, here's a little bonus that you can do along the way just for you. Um, which is lovely. That's great. D and D. Yeah. Um, and then say so the benefit there is, is gold. The, the cause of the problem is if, is if you only got one system ladder or, or one inverted commas money sink, then you know one person looks like they're getting value out of it, and other people don't. Now, suppose this is why like magic mm-hmm. item shops and shopping episodes are popular because you know everyone can spend money on a magic item. Mm. So you know, yeah, that's a that's a fallback, I suppose. 
but yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have all kinds of ways for for people to spend money and stay poor. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's one of the, it's one of the best and most underused things that for for a lot of people in D and D is you know everyone has money, um, and everyone has money, and everyone can have a different idea of of how they want to spend it. So it can be it can be a bit of a pain, but you know if if you can if you can find the thing that everyone wants to spend their money on, um, that will just keep the whole game running by itself. Yeah, perfect. Well, look, let's let's get into because uh, we're we're getting to this point now where we talk about what you've got going on. But before we do, there's something you mentioned that I want to touch on, which is that D and D is basically uh, can I do something? Yes, you can. Sure. Do a check. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to do those checks, uh, I don't know if you know this, but you need really beautiful dice. If you have ugly dice, you know you're never oh, going to succeed. Do. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've been looking at the Dice Dungeons website recently. I've got to be honest with you, there's some very pretty dice on there. They're available right now. I don't know if you've seen them, but the uh, the Midnight Sandstone Gemstone dice are basically calling my name. I don't, I don't think Ooh. I've ever had dice do that. They're gorgeous. If you want to go check them out, Head to the link in the description below. There's tons of stuff available on the Dice Dungeon website. They've been a, a supporter of the podcast network for so, so long now. Some might call it an age. Uh, they have metal dice, resin dice, acrylic dice. They have gemstone dice, glass dice. They've got books for D&D 5th edition. They've got extra accessories like rolling trays, like a travel bag, like a wonderful box that holds your dice, but is also a rolling tray. Honestly, their wares are endless. You can get 10% off your entire order if you use the code we speak common at checkout. And that means the more you spend, the more you save. It's cheeky, I know, but by supporting them, you're getting something really beautiful and you're supporting us too. And they are great guys. Ben and Dave are wonderful people um, and have become very good friends of mine. We're also supported by our wonderful friends over at Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. If you add a .com on the end, that's the website. You can go over and check out what they've got going on. Tons of creative writers, professionals, are writing box text that you can use in your home game, but also in a module if you're adding some extra bits in. It's just like the box text you'd see in an adventure, but there for you to use at any point at any time. There's over 7,500 scenes and growing, and I've actually done a quick little little search on the website. I just put in the word alchemy, so it's a very generic phrase to search and there's loads you've got uh, a description for an alchemist for an uh, an alchemist's gratitude for a blood sample so a, a, an npc showing gratitude for you giving them blood that's a, that's a description they've done uh there's things like potions laboratory or uh, a flask of alchemist's fire if you want to describe that alchemist supplies has a description there's so much stuff go and check out describe dscryb.com again link in the description below there's about 500 scenes that you can use right now for free and if you want access to the entire collection you can subscribe with 10 percent off every month for the first two years using the code common at checkout they've got some wonderful stuff over there you can go as use as both a player and as a dm okay let's talk about uh your your i'm gonna say it i'm gonna i'm gonna call it a fix for alchemy i feel like that's a good word for it which is the alchemy almanac which is my favorite word i'm so glad you called it that um and i remember this book not being a book but being i think 
what did you put it on reddit was it on reddit at one point i did i did yep i put it on reddit in february 2018 that was the first version that is one of the alchemy systems that james bought me i remember that Mm. quite fondly um (laughs) so to see it here it's improved a lot since then god because i told you about by the time that i i'd been polite by i five months prior to that thing being on reddit i had never played D in my life so it's, it's a bit rough and ready i love that so much but seeing it now as a full book is so cool it's so nice so talk to me about what what the system is what's in it because there's there's so there's five chapters um you've broken down the system sure. into um, three yeah. different parts that the most important, okay. the most important, yeah. and the rest I'll, is like I'll, extra, I'll sk- right? I'll s- yeah, I'll skip around a bit if you don't mind. So yeah, I'll start with with alchemy itself, which is the third chapter of five. Chapter five is just player options, so we can kind of like you can skip over that. That's um, you know like a couple of extra, a couple of extra subclasses, magic items, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's it's not core to the system, so. Um, so alchemy, right? This is this was where my uh, where my chemist f- professor friend came in, and this was the, the first alchemy almanac. Um, not too much has changed since then. Um, this is a system which is um, this is for crafting alchemical potions and um, adventuring gear and wondrous items and alchemy type stuff. Um, and this system is uh, uses um, a, a kind of structured formula for making potions, which is um, you need an alchemical base plus X number of reagents plus very, very occasionally special requirements like a spell slot, but it doesn't happen very often. Mostly it's, yeah, alchemical base plus reagents um, makes something. Mm. And there are six different reagents there's earth, fire, wind, water, ice, and lightning. Um, Ice and lightning is a bit, you know, you've got the classic four elements, but there just, there wasn't enough, there wasn't a large enough matrix with four mm-hmm. elements to, to make enough potions. Whereas when you've got six, like, um, there are enough unique combinations here that you could fit like 10,000 potions in it and, and not mm. w- using all five different rarities and, and these six matrices. Um, you'll never run out of, um, possible recipe possible unique recipes to to introduce whatever you want um so you've got six reagents you've got a, a bunch of different alchemical bases and these are the ones that are probably like frustratingly realistic i spent far too long on this part um <laughs> alchemical bases are like um you have alcohols to make potions, you have um, greases to make oils, and then you have all kinds of other specific things um, like uh, activated, let's see what's in here, activated charcoal, uh, aluminium powder, um, brimstone, naphtha, powder oil, saltpeter, and white phosphorus. And all these, and, and all those ones, I tell you, are like real recipes. Mm. Like there's, some, there's something in here for making thermite just because <laughs> um, yeah and it, it's it's proper right it's like aluminium powder plus fire and ice and and that's generally what makes you know you're obviously abstracting the elements there a bit but that's basically what makes thermite mm. um, 
dynamite, which is powder oil plus earth plus water, because dynamite is basically um, a very unstable uh, nitroglycerin that sweats mm-hmm. and eventually explodes. Um, I've got three. There are three different acids in here, which uh, there's an acid in the in the the PHB. Yeah. Um, so I've started. You know, that one is uh, is nitric acid. I've decided, and then you've got sulfuric acid, and then um, muriatic acid, which is hydrochloric. And these all kind of use proper recipes too. So you've got you know saltpeter and fire makes nitric acid, which is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so alchemy um, is quite simple because basically what you do is when you want to gather when you when you want to collect ingredients, the only thing you have to worry about is reagents. Um, and it involves, you know, when you are um, out in the wilderness, or when you've defeated, or when you've defeated a monster, um, you can get reagents from kind of anywhere. Really, it's it's kind of abstracted that way. So you just say, like, you know, I want to roll for, um, I want to gather some reagents. Uh, you basically roll a roll a d twenty. Um, add whatever modifiers you got, and then you receive a number of reagents um, based on the result of your check. Mm-hmm. And then the alchemical bases are things that you just buy from like apothecaries. They're, they're reasonably cheap, you know. They they vary in price from like ten gold up to I think two hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you've got these things, um, you look at the recipe you want. And you just roll a check, see if you can make it. It's exactly the same as um, exactly the same concept as making a runes runestone. Yeah. Okay. So the so actual that's, that's the, the the actual like yeah, mechanic of it is is really simple. It's it's hey, I've got the stuff now. Let me do the check. Oh, I've passed. I've got the, I've made the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. it. Takes one hour, so you can do it during a short or long rest. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing too too difficult there. Um, now, if I was to step back a chapter, chapter two is herbalism. Um, and this didn't exist in the first version. Um, mm. And the reason for this really is that kind of we realized, well, we had you know, two different players wanted to, you know, uh, wanted to do potion making. And, and one of them was a, was a wizard and one was a druid. And it, mm. it just never quite sat right that they effectively were doing the same thing because they had yeah. like very different aesthetics in terms of what they were going for. Um, so herbalism is is completely different. Um, it has an entirely different um, list of like outputs. So instead of alchemical items, wondrous items, uh, adventuring gear, and oils, it does um, like salves, tonics, tinctures, that kind of just kind of a different different vibe. Um, it does a lot, and it does a lot more. Um, it feels a lot more homeopathic, shall we say? Yeah. Um, and how this one works is um, it's more one to one. So there are specific plants. This this will be more like your Witcher example. There are specific plants that are useful for specific things. Maybe maybe a thing has two uses. Um, so how this one works is that. Uh, basically, there are no alchemical bases. There are just um, there are just plants or creature parts, and you get the ones you need. You 
mix them together and you make the thing you want. The the check is exactly the same as alchemy. So you know you roll a you roll a d twenty, you add your modifier, compare it to the DC, you make it or you don't, or it blows up. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one has um, this one gets a, a bit more involved with how you gather things because again we also found with with this one with the 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 druid was much more interested in the the activity of kind of going foraging you know being in the forest finding things you know what's this what's that whereas the wizard is more just you know just give me the reagents pal Mm. and again it's it's a different it's a it's a different kind of headspace so this one is generally instead of our chemical bases um there are five different categories of medicine um, augmenting, curative, fortifying, restorative, and special. So curative is like um, removing conditions. Restorative is restoring hit points, basically. Um, fortifying is temporary hit points and damage resistance, all that kind of stuff. And augmenting is basically giving you, you know, temporary magic powers. You know, like mm. dragon's breath or um, telekinesis, that kind of stuff. So what you'll need is. Uh, all the, all the recipes are in one of these categories, and each category has a primary component, which is kind of like a common plant. Um, yeah. everything, in that, everything in that category needs that common plant, and then everything has like one additional unique ingredient that you'll combine with that common plant to make the thing that you want. Um, so I'll step back then into the first chapter, which is Fieldcraft which is gathering plants and creatures. So for alchemy, it's really simple. For alchemy, it's um, you just declare that you want to find reagents, roll roll a check, and see how many you get. Um, now, this probably varies from your Witcher example, because you said you had like loads of tables there, and, and James was mm-hmm. like targeting a specific thing that he wanted. Yeah. So what what we ended up here, and this is probably the, the chapter that we spent the longest on. And the reason for that is that it, it took a lot of work to get this chapter to the stage where the DM doesn't need to do any work. And right. I'm, I'm, really, I'm, I'm really stuck on that. Um, so how this works is, uh, say for Fieldcraft, if you're gathering plants, right, you kind of, you're out in the wilderness. Um, again, it's an activity that takes an hour. You ask your GM if you can, you know, try and collect some ingredients. And this works for this this chapter works for any ingredients that you can imagine. Like it, it's in the Alchemy Almanac for Alchemy and Herbalism, and has um, has tables for those things. But you could use these rules for gathering wood, gathering stone, gathering whatever you wanted, mm. um, all at once. So you. If, if the GM says, sure, you can attempt to gather something, you roll your d20. And um, basically, you can choose at that point whatever you want to gather. So you have, um, all, all the GM needs to decide is like what, what environment you're in, what biome. If, if the player doesn't already know, because it's not obvious. Yeah. Um, so how it works is that if you are gathering either a common plant for one of the medicine categories or you're gathering alchemical reagents, they simply have their own table. It's a D6 table. Each of each is a D6 table. Um, and you roll on that D6 table 
a number of times depending on the result of your check. So um, I kind of I introduced a new DC concept here, which I'm, I'm really proud of. I must say, um, it's uh, this is DC ten slash plus five, which I, I used throughout this. this book. Yeah. So how it works is that if you you need a ten to to roll once on one of those tables. Um, and for every additional plus five by which you beat the check, you get to roll one more time. So if you roll 20 and you go to roll reagents, uh, you gather alchemical reagents, you gather three, you roll three times. Mm. Um, if you only roll 11, you only roll once. And the reason we did this was, and again, this is, this is all to make it so the DM doesn't have to worry about doing anything. Um, it's because previously we had it so um everything uh, previously in, in the original alchemy almanac it was probability based so the rarer stuff it, it all the tables were all 2d6 and the rarer things were like you know it, it very rare if you roll a two or very mm. rare if you roll a 12 it's more common if you roll like a six or a seven Mm. So that's how binomial distribution works. It was I thought it was very clever at the time, but the problem there is that um those tables can't be expanded. Like they're stuck. Um like the say you have five things in that table, if if uh, if the group wants to homebrew it and introduce like, you know, three more things, or they want to introduce, you know, um gathering like rare logs or you know rare minerals or stuff they can't do it because um, yeah. the table's locked this one you can expand the tables as much as you want construct a table i've seen other homebrews where at this stage like the player rolls a d20 or, or whatever the check is and then the dm has to decide okay so what's available mm. and you mm -hmm. don't you don't in this system it's all there um, so if you don't want to roll on one of these two common tables, you can search, you know, you can try and get a rare, a more rare item. And they are just in a, in a table for that biome and they have a DC. So really rare plants will have a DC of 25, rare plants will have a DC of 20 and uncommon plants will have a DC of 15. Mm. So if you roll a 22, you can choose from the the rare flora table for that biome you pick which one you want um and, and that has the benefit of you can you can expand those tables as much as you want um and you can uh you can expand those tables with more um plants or you can expand them as i said with you know logs minerals whatever you want they just need mm -hmm. a dc you can stick whatever you want in there um so that's basically how that system works um it's just one check um you don't need to predetermine what you're going to roll for you just say to the dm right i want to um i either want to attempt to gather um with uh in fact i know I'm, I'm i'm thinking of the old system it doesn't actually matter um it's just it's just an intelligent nature check it, you don't need to worry about um whether whether you're attempting to gather alchemy or herbalism, it's just an intelligence nature check advantage if you've got um, a herbalism kit and you're proficient with it, that's it. And once you know the result, then you go to the appendices where these tables are and you just pick the thing that you want to get. Mm. And for creature parts, it's kind of similar. Um, 
So creature parts is, um, I've made it, there's, there's a creature loop table in the back. And I don't know if you've had a chance to look at this one. Yeah, I've seen a bit of it. Right, the creature loop table is the same. It does the, generally it does the um, 10 slash plus five thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm quite proud of this one because it's one page and it covers all creatures possible. Yeah, so I, I, at least I, I looked alchemy. at this, and I it, so this is one thing I will say about the the system is that it it's one of those ones where you look at it and you go, oh, there's a lot here, and then you go, oh, this is actually simple, but I can make it complex if I want to, which I think is perfect. I think that's great. It's the yeah. same with um, it's the same with the armor's handbook. It's like you look at it, and you go, oh, there's a lot here, God, and then you go, oh, actually, no, this is really simple, and it's it's like if I want to make more of it, I can. And the thing about the back of this book, which is one of one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I love seeing it. It's just tons and tons and tons of tables to go. Here you go. Here's everything you need in one place. Easy to look at and uh, easy to find. And the creature loot one, I looked at it and I went, oh, oh, he's actually he's actually put the work in because it's covering so many different creature types. Yeah. Um, I actually I went through um, I went through all the source books and basically mm. just look for what made sense you know read yeah. all the law for all the creatures and just pulled out everything that made sense for alchemy um or herbalism you know so like um rakshasas in here specifically um because uh because you can get rakshasa blood from a rakshasa and i decided mm. that well rakshasas have a cool ability which is you know they can't be affected by spells of sick level or lower unless they choose to be and i thought that'd be a cool potion so you need mm-hmm. rakshasa blood for that. That's a very um, cool potion. Yeah. Um, so so anything anything where where a creature had like a very cool thing that you could you know maybe you you could maybe take directly. Um, so yeah, how this works is that um, the table is split is split into creature types. So like aberrations, celestials, dragons, fey, etc. Um, and generally, a creature type. Or, or many creature types, not all, but say like all dragons will have worm blood, all fiends will have um, demon ichor or, or, mm. or devil blood, depending if they're demons or devils. Um, and, and everything that's um, everything in here will either be like a, a ten slash plus five or a fifteen slash plus five if it's more difficult to harvest, um, and that means that um, you roll. You gain a number. It's the same as um, reagents or common plants. So you know, if you roll a fifteen, you get two units, but they are limited by like the maximum number of units you can get, depending on the creature size. So you know, you can potentially get more units of giant's blood from a huge giant than from a large giant, or sorry, like a yeah. So and and that makes sense. You get mm-hmm. more monster blood from a larger monster. And, and yeah. there are other things. There are other things that are like, um, you know, a uh, 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 thing's got two eyeballs, so you can only get two of those. But they have the same principle as you know, fifteen plus five. So you you roll a fifteen, you get one eye. You roll a twenty-two, you get both eyes, and that yeah. means you can potentially make two potions. So it kind of it rewards um, being exceptionally good at something without punishing you for not being great at it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I 
I love this, and I know that I, I'm probably biased because I invited you here on the podcast. But I I love the the th- I think the thing that tick ticks for me, and and it's again it's the same with the Armour's Handbook. It's that ability to go for me as a DM to read through it and go, okay, there's a lot here. There's a lot here that I can use and play with. For example, you know, I could go through the oils or the potions and I could pick one out and that could be a magic item that you find, right? Mm-hmm. Or it could be something that an enemy is using. I don't have to do that, but it's an option for me. But what I also get to do is I get to give the book to my player who wants to do whatever form of alchemy, herbalism, whatever, and say, okay, read this. I've read it. Let's go through it together if we have any questions and let's start using it. And it's that simple. And that sounds... I feel like that sounds um, like a lie. Like I always think, well, it's not going to be that simple, is it? But it really is. It is that simple. Um, yeah. And, it, and it, it might take it might take a session to get used to, but it, yeah, it, it, because the rule set is you ask to do something, the DM says yes, you roll a d twenty, and that's your result. And and, mm-hmm. and typically, you know, for, for fieldcraft, um, for when you're gathering stuff. If you're successful on your D20 check, then you'll you'll you might have to roll something else. You know, if if it's uh, you might have to roll on the D6 table for a reagent or something. But only sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. you ask to do something, you roll a D20, you succeed or you fail, and you move on. That's it. And, and everything is in everything is in here. So like the DM doesn't. You know, I don't think I was about to swear on the podcast. Probably shouldn't, but you know, <laughs> the DM doesn't need to do anything. Yeah. Um, it's everything is here. Um, the DM just needs to kind of, you know, give the nod of approval. You don't need to construct tables. You don't need to, you don't need to construct loop tables. You don't need to, um, decide on, uh, what's available in what biome. Cause that's, I actually missed that as a point of, as a point of field craft is, mm. um, I did want to avoid like terrain locking cause mm. that's something that, that, I think fell short in a couple of the other supplements, um, mm-hmm. terrain and season locking. So what we've said here is that like some plants are native to certain biomes. So, you know, like certain plants you'll find in, uh, are more commonly found in say mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are in the mountain region table, you know, so, say, say there's a plant that, that only that is only common in mountain terrains. It has DC 20 to find in a mountain. Um, a rule that we have in this book, which would work really well for us, is that um, you can find things that are not in your current biome. You just add five to the DC. So you can find that mountain plant, even if you're not in a mountain, but it's DC is then 25. Mm. So again, it, you know, the DM... Uh, actually, in, in this entire book, the only thing the DM needs to decide is what biome you're currently in. But even then, like the biome isn't essential to whether you can. It, it's not a hard lock as to whether you can do something or not. It's not like if you're in if you're playing a, a Rhyme of the Frost Maiden module, like three quarters of herbalism is just unavailable to you because mm. you're going to spend your whole time in the Arctic. Yeah, yeah. Which is that's a, that's an issue with. The witcher system that I mentioned earlier, because you you are locked mm. to wherever you are and what you can get your hands on, unless you're I don't know with a mage or something who might have more supplies. Um, but but what's nice here as well is that we've just talked 
quite in depth about like what's in this book and, and what you can do. But those rules, when you say, oh, it's three chapters, you think, oh God, three chapters. But why is it like 20 pages max, maybe? It's, oh, I mean, um, if, you, if you take up the potion list, there's about, in terms of pages of actual, you know, like inverted commas reading. rules or explanations, it's like eight pages, the whole book. Yeah. Um, it's all, it's all, it's all, all tables rest, and potion lists. Yeah. All the rest is the extra stuff that, that you can take and you can run with. And, you know, you can be like, okay, I'm going to make this potion. I'll probably only make it once. But then you can look, you can go deeper into it and go, okay, I'm going to make this potion and I want to make it this this good and this strong and do it this way and that's that ability to be in depth is is great um yeah the you other can, thing you can take it as far as you want oh yeah 100 percent. And, and the other thing i want to touch on um which is just a bonus really but it's something you've done before which i love um so you've included some magic items that are specific to herbalism and stuff which is really nice but also you've included uh a couple of things that are in the um uh, what's the term? The SRD, the the content that you can you yeah. can play around with that's already in yeah, D&D, the, o, the, o, so. the OGL. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. So like the marvelous pigments, great, great item. You've included that and how to how to make that as an item using alchemy and um, yeah, and everything the, everything that's in the OGL, which is probably about seventy five percent of potions are in there, but there's probably about two hundred percent more again. So yeah, even if you even if you didn't want to use any of the inverted commas rules in this book, there's still like a hundred new potions in here. If you just mm. wanted to use potions, it's kind of like runesmithing. You know, if you didn't actually want to do runesmithing, you can still use the effects on the runestones to just make your own items. Yeah, and then but then you have included new magic items too, and you've also done yeah. that lovely thing of giving a price of how much they cost, which is nice. And then my, I mean, we, we touched on the fact that there's player options. So there's, there's feats and there's things and class features and things like that. Yeah. But the, the other thing that oh, you do, go on. No, I was going to say, uh, I really feel I should mention the guild merchant. I don't know if you're about to bring that up. Uh, as the... I, I don't know if you've even read that part, actually. Uh, have I read that it's part? A, it, it is in the guilds in chapter four. This is, right, we still, I kind of stumbled upon this. And, and much like the field crafts action, which you can apply to anything... Um, to, to like collecting anything in the game, this guild merchant rule you can you can apply to anything in in all of D and D. Yes, um, I have read this. Yeah, um, keep going, keep we going. we use it we use it for everything, right? Um, and it just makes sense. And this will save you work because you will mm. never have to prep a shop again. Um, so how it works, or this is kind of what we came on, um, is that when you want to populate a store. Um, you take you the you well, the, the DM <laughs> yeah rolls a die rolls a die um, and the size of the die corresponds uh, we have it to guild rank in here but you can also just do it based on the, the proficiency bonus of the party which might be easier you know for, for general stuff so like you know stocking like a magic item shop or whatever so how it works is that, you know, uh, it's proficiency bonus plus two is a D4, plus three is a D6, all the way up to plus six is a D12, which just fit quite nicely. It's like it was fated. Um, mm. And then based on the result of that roll, um, players can buy items or each character can buy items with a combined total up to that roll of a stock value up to that roll. So. You don't actually have to do nothing. 
But the thing is, you only have to do you only have to do it once. Mm. So basically, if you have a bunch of um, magic items, say, you know, even all the magic items in the player's handbook, um, ascribe each one a stock score, you know, somewhere between one and twelve. Twelve being, you know, for for probably the legendary stuff, and yeah. one to two being for the common stuff. Um, and then, you know, if your players enter, like, you know, a, say a magic item shop, it's, it's the easiest example. Mm-hmm. Um, each player, again, the DM can do this, or each player. Um, I, we prefer, we started with the DM, but we ended up doing each player because then it's kind of more fun. Um, so we go into the magic item shop. Um, each player, say they are level five, each player rolls D d6. And you have a list of stuff, you know, a list of magic items that might be in that shop. This is, this is your prep. Rather than deciding what the players are going to get, you've decided you know, what might be in that store. And then depending on what the players have rolled for their stock score, you can say, well, you know, these are the items available to you. Um, and you can buy a total stock score up to the number you've rolled. So kind of you are populating this, you're kind of setting the boundaries on what can be in a store with your prep, but the players kind of, it's this weird alchemy, um, no pun intended, where Hmm. the players feel like they populated the store. And Mm -hmm. it's just, uh, it's hard to explain, but it's, um, it feels more, it feels more exciting. Like it feels like the players did that. Yeah, it's it's that thing of the it, it players always, having agency, always, right? Yeah, it always feels like that when the when the players get to make the role themselves. Because yeah. if the players if if you take if the players go to a magic item shop traditionally, and say the paladin you know really wants a sentinel shield or something, and the sentinel shield is not there in the store, they'll just think, well, this sucks, mm. and you know maybe they'll blame the DM. You know why didn't you put that shield in there? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know ultimately you decided that. But yep. if you if if you just if you gave that sentinel shield a, a, a score, and you know you, you thought it was you know quite quite a powerful item, so you didn't want it to be easy to get, so you gave it you know a little bit of a higher score, um, and then the party rolls and they you know they don't quite get there, then you know then it was just bad luck. Yeah, yeah, and it takes the heat off well, you a bit there, doesn't it? Yeah, it, well, it takes the heat off you, but also you know if if there's something awesome in the shop. You know, if, if if the players, you know, do the equivalent of, you know, roll a net 20, you know, if, if they roll their D6 and they get a six, and that means they can buy a really cool item, like, that feels so much better for them than if, mm. if oh, yeah, yeah, it's just in the shop. Yeah, yeah. So but, I don't know, but, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've done a great job of explaining it there, but um, I, know, I, I think don't know, you, you, you might be able to do a better job, but it's it's such a good way of populating shops. Um, yeah, and the I, thing I, the thing that's in the alchemy almanac is is everything is priced and everything has a stock score, so mm-hmm. you'll never have to worry about like populating um, potions and, and potions um, and ingredients ever again because it's all in these tables at the back. Like if yeah, the if the, the party the ever goes thing. to an apothecary or something, you just have to roll you you just have to roll like a d six or one d eight or something, and that'll tell you exactly what is available to to be purchased. Yeah, the, the worst thing about trying to populate a magic item shop is the price. But um, no, I, I think you've described it well, and I think that I I love it as a system, and um, I I I want to use it. I think the best way to to use it for the first time is with 
the alchemy because it's it's all there right it's all all the pricing yeah. up, like you just said so it makes it very simple to do without any yeah. um, any buying time yeah, prep it, work for it yeah yeah if you use it with alchemy you'll you'll figure it out it'll help you mm. figure it out but, but i also um, but yeah, love that you the, can use it for anything yeah i love that the because you did this with Armour's Handbook, the fact that there there is a guild and there is some some law that you can drop into into the game too, which is which is always nice and a bonus. So there's stuff here that you can you can use as as the DM as much as this is a kind of a player book that's here for the player to use more more so than the DM. Um, yeah, God, there's there's so much here in such a good way, but we have we have talked for so long now, so we need to we need to wrap up. But <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, you've you've got me enamored, and I I love it. Um, I should I also want to say, and this is the last thing I'm going to say now. This book is gorgeous. So, um, shout out to the the guys and gals that worked for, on your art for you because it it is a wonderful looking thing mm. as well, which is always a lovely bonus. Um, yeah, this is I, I said to the artist at the very start, like this project is my baby. Like yeah. this is the first thing I worked on, and 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 I'll never work in, I'll never work on anything with this many like interlinking parts again it was too it was too damn hard like this this was this this is way harder to make than the armor's handbook because like the arm the armor's handbook is the equivalent of like one chapter of this book and that makes it sound intimidating but it's not it's just no not at all it, it tries it tries to go all the way down the road you know it, it answers all the questions which mm. just you know the, the, there's a lot of interlinking rules so where can people go to get this uh heavyarms.com that's where I self-publish all my content these days. Um, yeah. Nice and, and easy. Or one, or like one word. So simple. And of course, we'll pop a little, uh, we'll pop a little link into it, uh, into the description right now as well. Because you've got more than just this going on. Um, do you want to do, do a little self-plug as we close up here? Do you want to talk about the other uh, products you've got in a, in a really quick, concise way? <laughs> I'll see. Um, sure. I've got a Gunslinger class. Um, yes. which people seem to quite enjoy. That's a, that's a class that focuses on, um, it, it basically it's, it's a crit juggler. Um, mm-hmm. it expands crit range as you hit and, uh, and, and it's kind of a, it's, it's a risk taking class because if, if you miss, you reset your crit range, but as long as you keep hitting, your crit range keeps expanding and it does loads of extra damage on a crit. Um, I've, just last week, put out a ranger class. Yeah, um, kind of I don't. I don't want to call it a revised ranger because that I think that does it a disservice. Basically, I've I, I took about two features from the ranger and just threw the rest in the bin. Um, <laughs> this, this 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 yeah this one came about because because a friend of mine um, said that yeah, and they're a content creator too and they said that the gunslinger is what they think a ranger should be. And, and I thought about that and, and thought, well, what do I think a ranger should be? And, and where I ultimately landed on was, I think a ranger should be about um, versatility. Mm. Um, so I ended up going down this route of, I've ended up with this class that has no subclasses. Um, it has eight ASIs and it has um, this skill system, which kind of replaces subclasses, which is very, people say is reminiscent of like, building class and pathfinder so like mm. you know every couple of levels kind of like warlock invocations you just pick um you know what what rangery skill do i want now and you gain the ability to basically you, know, you get more skills and you get the ability to switch them out more quickly so it's all about you know being prepared for the challenges ahead and all that kind of stuff which i think is you know, 
to me, that's quintessential Ranger. Mm. Um, so after that, I've got the Armor's Handbook on the DM's Guild, <laughs> which yep. I'm sure uh, everyone knows about that by now. Oh, we've, we've, we've plugged it so many times, yeah. it's not even funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I suppose, you know, uh, I've got a Patreon as well. Um, it's kind of small, but that's where I that's where I chuck everything that I don't think is like the big full product release. So that's where I throw all my subclasses, feats, spells, magic items, all that kind of stuff. And again, there are links for that on, on my website. Yeah. If you want we'll, to check that we'll out. We'll pop a link to, to that down below. Oh, um, thank you. But wonderful. Well, look, we're going we're gonna to close this because we've talked for so long and otherwise I will yeah. never close it and this podcast will just become the rest of my life because it's so easy to lose time talking to you about all this stuff. But um, as ever, if you want to get involved with anything we've talked about, if you want to chat about alchemy and D&D, you want to talk more about the system, then the best way to do it is over on the We Speak Common Discord server, which uh, there is a link to in the description down below. And it's free to join yeah. now. We have a section that is is open and uh, available to all. And Heavy Arms, you are in there. You are hiding amongst the masses. Am I right? I am a commoner. He is a commoner. I love it. Uh, if you want to get unlimited access, uh, access to things like behind the scenes content, the vibe zone, the chat zone, uh, places to uh, share and get advice on on things that you're making or doing in your games, then the best way to do that is to join our Patreon. There's a link to that below as well. But of course, hey, it's free internet content. That's what I say. If you don't want to support it that way, the next best way is to share us with a friend. We're on Twitter at We Speak Common, Instagram at We Speak Common, and Facebook We Speak Common Pod. Go check us out. Come say hello. Have a wonderful chat and uh, and join the ever growing community with wonderful people like Heavy Arms in it. Um, my friend, it has been such a good chat, and I I am James has James has already asked about fifty times if we can start using this book. So I will <laughs> I will tell you when uh, when he has brewed his his first potion. Oh, that's wonderful. I'd love to know how it goes. And yeah, uh, thanks so much for having me on again, man. It's been a pleasure. No worries. I'll chat to you soon. All right, take care, man. Bye. Thanks for listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review on your platform of choice and share us with a friend or D&D group near you. If you'd like to directly support the network in the production of new shows like the one you heard today, head to the description of this episode or our social media pages for a link to our Patreon page. You can connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at We Speak Common. The network theme is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.